You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Linton Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. Hello, everyone. I want to welcome you to this week's edition of Closing the Distance. My name is Scott Weimer. I'm a pastoral associate for Congregational Care at Roswell Presbyterian Church. And it's my joy and pleasure today to interview and ask a few questions of our senior pastor, Reverend Jeff Myers, about his sermon on Sunday. Closing the Distance is something that happens nearly every week, where someone interviews the person who preached on Sunday. We're closing the distance between what we hear on Sunday and perhaps some questions that we might want to ask further. Uh, I know I have some questions I want to ask further today. Uh, By all accounts, Jeff Myers' sermon on Sunday was terrific. People were talking about it all day on Sunday, and they were talking about it yesterday, people coming in and out of the church. And that's just great uh, to, to have something that can really hang on to based on scripture. But before before I get there, Jeff, I want to, since you're a logophile, logophile is a person who loves words, logos, the word, file, to love, to love words. I've got a word for you that's oh, important me today, and it's peripatetic. And Perfect. I know you know that, yeah, peripatetic means a person who travels. Often it is uh, ascribed to Aristotle, who would walk as he taught. And so he and his people, they would walk and ask questions and he would teach. So we're this is peripatetic today because I'm in my car because my job is mostly peripatetic. It's on the move, making visitations of members of the church. So in this peripatetic interview, this Aristotelian uh, time of conversation with the master, with Jeff, <laughs> I wanted to uh, just ask you a couple of questions, Jeff. First of all, we're in a sermon series called The Prayers We Pray. And you kicked off the sermon series with the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6, verses 7 through 13. There's another version of the Lord's Prayer in Luke's Gospel. It's a little bit different, mm-hmm. but the one we're used to praying is the one that we find in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 7 through 13. I wanted to ask you why you chose this prayer to kick off the sermon series. I think I've got a pretty good idea of why you might have, but could you tell us why? Yeah, I mean, I think because it's the one where Jesus says, pray then in this way. He's like, this this is kind of the model for prayer. And I think all of the other prayers that we're going to explore will are kind of derivative or derived from this prayer. And I think it's helpful because it gets at kind of the theology of prayer that how, what separates Christian prayer from other kinds of prayer. Um, And, and obviously we have lament, we have praise, different kinds of prayer. We'll do some of those prayers in the subsequent weeks. Sorry, Scott, my son here is in the background playing with an animatomic, uh, dinosaur so i've got a little distraction but oh, um, i think it's a great distraction all of us would love to see what he's doing right now but we're going to stay with this conversation absolutely and and so i think that so when jesus says 
this pray then in this way, I think it's helpful to take his lead in how to pray. And I think the, the kind of fundamental building blocks of all prayer are with contained within it. Sure. Uh, one of the thoughts I had as you were preaching is, yeah, I mean, you could do an entire series and maybe you have on the Lord's Prayer. There's so much there that's so powerful. Uh, and you you did it in one sermon. And I wanted to ask you afterwards, after we preach, people will often say something complimentary about the sermon. But then when a sermon really touches them, and I believe this sermon touched a lot of people, they'll say something to you. And was there something about what they said to you that helped you see that this was really a helpful sermon? And did they tell you what it was in particular? Well, honestly, I got a number of uh, comments back that parents had to go show their children the film Talladega Nights. It's <laughs> <laughs> not exactly the takeaway I was hoping for. <laughs> But I thought it was funny, and um, and I think I think that people I think appreciated um, the intimacy that we can have with God, that God desires a relationship with us, that that we're invited to pray, our Father, um, and I think we take it's those of us who are raised in the church. You know, who are familiar with the Lord's Prayer, we kind of take it for granted that the relational language, the intimacy that Christians are invited to pray to the God of the universe uh, is really remarkable. And you were, you know, you, um, you're talking, when you said peripatetic, I always refer to peripatetic Paul and the Apostle Paul and his kind of travels uh, sure. preaching. And he at one point says that we can refer to God as Abba Father. He's he even like doubles down on the father language and into this even uber intimate language of Abba or Daddy, um, which I thought was really um really powerful if you really think about it. Yeah, that's so powerful. And uh I was kind of anticipating you might go there in your sermon, but that that's a sermon unto itself because the the way Paul invites us to pray and I believe it's behind what we find in the Lord's Prayer, but it's a more formal word, pater, I believe, uh, in the Greek for father, which is the more formal way. But I think the the uh, the Abba nature of God, maybe something changed in the resurrection that Paul realized something that he hadn't seen before, that, that this intimacy, because he had he heard the voice of God speak to him, the voice of Jesus. And you know, it changed his life forever. Do, do you have a thought about that? Yeah, I, I, and honestly, you say, you thought I was going to go that way. And there was a version of the sermon that I did take that direction. And I just kind of said, well, can't say it all at once. So we got to, we'll have to save some for next time. Next um, time. Yeah. And, and I do think that Paul is, you know, I remember like Paul was a guy who was so devout a Pharisee. I mean, he says he kept the law. He, I mean, and he persecuted the early church. We think about um, of Stephen, the first martyr he witnessed of the Christian church. And so he, he really saw Christianity and Christ as a threat to the Jewish tradition that he inherited. 
And then he, on the road to Damascus, has this encounter with the risen Christ. And all, all of a sudden, everything changes for him. And he and and he meets Jesus uh, for himself. And I think when you when you think about that, and then Jesus invites him and invites us to pray alongside him. Uh, and there's all this Trinitarian theology that I didn't go into that I think is the background to understanding how we are invited in the Spirit to pray along Christ to God the Father. Um, that Paul that Paul has an understanding of that he sees us drawn up in into an intimate relationship with the God of the universe and we can boldly say Abba Father and that our spirit even this the Holy Spirit um, intersects and understands is empathetic with our spirit and prays on our behalf when we don't even know and have the words to say which I think is also a really beautiful um, understanding of Christian prayer. Well, I look forward to that sermon when you preach it. And, but I love the way you stayed with the text and you had, you brought in some quote, some quotes, some insights, some of which I had heard before, but they were reinforced as you preached. And they're, they're so decisive for me that the, and I believe this happened to other people too on Sunday that this, your sermon was freeing. It, it freed me. It freed us. And I already know this, but I need to be freed of it again. Then my prayers don't have to be. They don't have to be. I don't have to word them perfectly. I don't have to. It's not a matter of, of praying more mm -hmm. or longer prayers. And it, you had that quote. And if you could remind me, remind us of that quote, you've had several that were that I want to ask you about. But the one I'm talking about in particular was the one where you were saying you quoted. I couldn't remember if it was a part or because I was wasn't able. I wasn't taking notes. I wasn't able to take notes in that service because it's dark in there. Right. But where is it? Luther. Luther. The prayers are short, urgent, and from the heart. Is that the quote? Uh, I think it's um, uh, often urge, uh, often brief and urgent. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And even since Sunday, I've. I've I've been freed in some of my prayers, and I led a, a group after church on Sunday, and right. a, a number of people in the group, there were, I think, 14 around a circle, and people were quoting you and quoting that prayer, and we were praying in that circle, and our prayers were uh, were urgent and and brief and and often, it, and so I I just love that. I, I love I that it. too. And that quote, I think it's, I, I don't know if it's a direct quote or it's kind of a paraphrase of um, what Luther said, which if he, that's his point, then I think he'd probably would love it if it was paraphrased even more concise. Um, and I think, I don't know, Scott, in your experience, but like, you know, when you're a religious professional, so you're a pastor, you're on staff at a church, people think you know the right way to pray. And if you haven't gone to formal education or you haven't led a Bible study, then you really don't know how to really pray. And I want people to say, no, it's, it's like speaking from your heart. There's no special incantation or voodoo that we're trying to do to mix words together, but it's speaking from the heart about our cares and concerns that God wants to hear. Yes. And uh, I'm really glad you made that point because 
uh, we're coming up on next week. We have this service of prayers for healing and wholeness in the sanctuary Tuesday night, seven o'clock. And last spring, we have this service normally once in the fall and once in the spring. And last spring, Randy Jackson preached and it was in the historic sanctuary. And I remember that one of the Stephen ministers, who's an elder in the church, was in my circle of prayer. So people would come forward and if they chose, I would anoint them with oil. This is biblical practice, a sign of the benevolence and the extraordinary fruitfulness of, of Christ uh, over us. And uh, it's a calling on that, on that benevolence and that, uh, that great fruitfulness of what comes from the risen Christ to be upon each person and mm -hmm. bring wholeness. And so I did the anointing, but there were one of the elders, well, I'm going to, I didn't ask permission to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, Reeves Newsom was was with me. And so each person came forward. We had a, a small circle of three people. And I did the anointing and people would share what was on their heart. And then I asked Reeves to pray. What I didn't know is that afterwards he told me that's not something he's accustomed to. And mm -hmm. that was what he was imagining for that night. But I'm telling you, I kept asking him to offer the prayer because his prayers were so spot on. I mean, to me, they were as powerful as any prayer that any of us clergy could pray. Yeah. And and perhaps they were so effective because they were coming directly from the heart and they were urgent and they had to be brief. And so I, I just I'm glad you made that point because we don't have to be ordained or have theological education to offer a prayer. So yeah. thanks for me. And I remember like, G I mean, Jesus saying, become like a child. And I often think like in our prayer life, sometimes when you hear a child pray, they're like, Lord, you know, help this sick person, you know, bless my food and, you know, yeah. help this not take too long so I can get out playing again. You know, and it just like the, like the directness and the clear sightedness about what you're asking for is really really powerful oh i love that too that that insight of jesus says become like a child mm -hmm. i hadn't put all that together in that way but that's a great insight thanks for that i wanted to ask you too jeff about i thought it was really powerful when you spoke about if god already knows what we need to pray for god it's so god already knows so we almost don't even have to speak it but we do need to speak it and you talked about a kind of circular reasoning, theologically, philosophically, and you called it a, a, not a sanctified circular argument, a but virtuous, a virtuous circle. Could you just remind us of that? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking, because I did want to go a little more into it, because I, you know, I'm worried, you know, during the sermon, people might fall asleep if I get into too much philosophy, but. Um, you know, people talk about a vicious circle that leads you down somewhere where you don't want to go. Um, but a virtuous circle is, is what philosophers call a just so story, that it just so might be this way. It doesn't necessarily mean it's this is the way it explains it, but this is an explanation that makes prayer coherent and reasonable. Okay. If God is God of the universe and stands outside of time, and God is present to all times simultaneously, right? Then, then God knows what is going to happen before I do. But God still 
wants me to be in relationship and ask for these things. Now, I don't know when God is going to answer those prayers or when God is not going to. That's only in God's mind. Um, but from my vantage point, God invites me to be in relationship and bring my cares and concerns to God. And some of those prayers, I hope, all God has decided to use as part of the cause to answering those prayers. And so now people sometimes get frustrated because they want to have a God, a God side view of um, the relationship, but human beings are finite creatures and we will never have a God divine perspective on human affairs. And so the thing is, is to accept where we're at and that we can only come to God in prayer and trust that the God um, that God's will be done in the language of the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, and you also said something about the words, the words that we pray and the prayer that we pray. It may not come to pass, but it could be, it could be that the words we pray, we're supposed to pray anyway, because the words we pray may be part of what does bring the healing uh, to the person for whom we're praying or whatever it is that we're praying about. It could be that the words we pray are actually used by the spirit to bring about God's purpose. And we don't know. So I, that right. was really. And there's, I mean, there, I mean, there's some empirical research out there that's being done. Um, the book by the NPR religion writer, I forget her name. I think it's called foot fingerprints or footprints of God that goes into some of this. There was a recent, um new york times article maybe six months ago that the scientist was trying to do empirical research on the impact of prayer and said you know if a if a miracle occurred how would you prove it and and whenever you get into uh miracles and exceptional uh um healings and things like this they're very hard to say oh the, to find a correspondence between my prayer and the impact of it but it's my belief, and I think there's several thousand years of church history that says our prayers matter and God invites us to pray. And in some mysterious way, in God's providence and sovereignty, God wants to use those prayers to bring about um, healing and change uh, sometimes. Well, that's that's really helpful. And I wish we had more time because there's so much here, but we've run out of time. And so I encourage those who are listening to if you have an opportunity to spend some time with Jeff, you can ask him more about it. I, I found it so powerful. And uh, if, if you don't mind, I'll just close with this personal reflection. When I was 19, my mother became sick unto death. And I was fairly new in my Christian faith. And I found those passages that said, ask for what you want, and it shall be given to you. Knock and the door will be open. And so I wrestled with that so much. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I was to pray for what I wanted, for what I was the desire of my heart. And I, I, I certainly wasn't praying against the purposes of God. And yet my mother wasn't healed, not in the way that we wanted, but she found her own faith near the end of her life in death. She came, opened her heart to the things of God through Christ and all three of my sisters came to faith. All four of us are, thanks be to God, have spouses that love God and love Christ, and, and we're extremely close, all of us. 
And that's something that grew out of my mother's death. And I don't, you know, we don't want anything like that to happen. We don't. And we can't see it at the time. But as I look back, I know that God did something good through that, through that yeah. track trauma of it. Wow. I think people who have this experience, but I, I still pray for divine healing. Mm -hmm. And if it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it's not that God's not still there. Right. It's that there's something we don't quite understand. Absolutely. What a beautiful, thank you for closing with such a beautiful reflection from your own heart experience, Scott. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Jeff. And can you tell us what's coming this Sunday? Yeah, so we're going to look at uh, what's called the Serenity Prayer. Uh, people are probably familiar with it from its use in Alcoholics Anonymous. Folks may not know that it's written by uh, the American-German theologian Reinhold Niebuhr, who uh, in 1950, Time Magazine called um, the most important theological uh, voice in America. And so we're going to get in maybe a little bit of Niebuhr's thinking about human life, but dealing with what happens when all you have are bad decisions before you? How do you know what to do, a way to make forward? And I think that's something we all are going to wrestle with in our lives. And so I, I think this prayer is one we can hold close to our hearts. Yes, I, I'm looking forward to it already. Uh, I'm going to try something that is brief, urgent, and what was the third? Often. So I'm going to pray. God, thank you for this time together with Jeff. Thank you for the message that you give him to share with us this last Sunday and the Sunday that's coming. Pray your anointing of your spirit upon him that he might have power to and every gift of your spirit to do all that he's called to do, which is more than any one person can do. But help him to do that which has to be done and and give him your voice and insight as he preaches this coming Sunday. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks to everybody who's tuning in. See you soon. Bye-bye.